Thank you for downloading and listening to the Briam Bible Church Sunday Morning Podcast. Briam Bible Church is located in Shoreline, Washington, morning worship at 11, and many more events throughout the week. For more information, please visit our website at www.bereanshoreline.org. How has your summer been? Has it been busy, not so busy, very relaxing, or somewhere in between? Busy? Not so busy. Somewhere in between. Okay. It's been a wonderful, crazy busy summer for me. And I just figured out last week that of the month of August, I spent 26 days not in my own bed. I was in a tent at camp. I was at the camp. Uh, Campamento del Carabe down on our mission trip, and I was on the road for five days to and from Chicago uh, in a car. What a blur. How crazy. And sometimes, you know, this hyperactivity of our lives, hyperactivity in our personal lives can be very distracting. Think of the hyperactivity perhaps in your professional life, deadlines that need to be made, people that you maybe need to interview or work with, other people's schedules that you have to work with and around, or uh, perhaps a project launch or something that needs to come uh, importantly. School life. Now, our students this morning uh, in in, uh, Sunday school mentioned that their biggest prayer request was for their school year and the concern that they were going to get behind, potentially get behind or not understand their schoolwork, and the anxiety and the stress that follows them in school. We've got, we've got hyperactivity even in our church life. You know, we have so many wonderful ministry opportunities at the church, but can you imagine if you were to look at the calendar and say, I want to be a part of every single thing that happens here? You'd, you'd, you'd be hyperly active. And then, then this one, I, I don't really need to describe this one, your family life. Taking kids maybe to school and extracurricular activities and, and, and laundry and clean the house and dishes and, and spend time with them, but then take them to their friends' houses and everywhere that you've got hyperactivity. And you bring all of these together It's a whirlwind. It can become crazy. And you know what this affects the most? Is that one life that we're supposed to be really concentrating on in the the first place, our spiritual life. The hyperactivity can affect our spiritual life. Now, back in July, on the weekend of the 6th, I had the opportunity to share from 1 Peter in chapter 1, and I mentioned that we were going to come full circle on some of Peter's words in chapter 5, and that's where we are right now. And I I introduced to you this idea that that Peter told us what he was going to tell us, right? That was in chapter 1, where verse 13, Therefore, prepare your minds for action, be self-controlled, set your hope fully on the grace to be given you when Jesus Christ is revealed. As obedient children... And do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But 
Just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do, for it is written, be holy because I am holy. Pardon me one second. You might want to mute me for... Thank you. So Peter told us what he was going to tell us, and then as Pastor Gary and Pastor Jim have shared from the remainder of 1 Timothy, he, he told us. He, he, he revealed truths about our relationship with God that he wanted us to know. And now we've come full circle. We're here at the place where he's going to tell us what he just told us. And so we'll be in chapter 5, if you want to turn there. And as we go to his word, obviously, again, we want to pray. We want to spend time asking him to reveal the truths that he would have us to learn. But I want to put two more prayer requests in as well. These also came during the uh, Sunday school. <clears throat> the request was, let's be praying for the babies. That there were five babies that we were going to be praying for. And, and Rachel, I'm really disappointed to see that uh, you haven't had yours yet. <clears throat> Probably not nearly as disappointed as you are, but I'm still disappointed. Looking forward to meeting that one. But pray for the babies that are coming. And also, I'd like to ask you to be praying for for Matt Royal. Matt's got pneumonia, <clears throat> and right before school, right, he gets pneumonia, and so I, I had uh, an email conversation with his mom and said, is this the kind of pneumonia that uh, knocks you down flat, flat, or is he able to be on his feet and doing it? And it was, nope, this is the flat-out kind. So here he was, his first week of school, flat-out, and the antibiotics that he's been taking are not, were not, nor not weren't making a dent. <clears throat> Boy, me neither. <clears throat> Weren't making a dent in it, and so now he's gone to a higher-grade antibiotic, and uh, the pneumonia was starting to spread in his lungs. So be asking you for, for prayer, for his healing, and, and quick recovery there. Lord God, we thank you for this beautiful day you've given us and this time that we can be in your word. Pray, Lord, that you reveal to us the truths of your word, that they don't just sink into our heads, which is a good place for them to start. But Lord, I ask you to move them into our hearts. And eventually, Lord, as they, they take root and they grow and they blossom and they grow fruit, that, that our hands and our feet would, would minister to others, that we would truly indeed walk as your servants in all that we do. We praise you, Lord. So as we open this word, enlighten us, please, to your Son, to your Spirit, and to you, our great God and Holy Father. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen. Well, I mentioned that this hyperactivity that we have leads us to be, uh, leads, has an impact on our spiritual lives. And so right from the pages of Scripture, right from Peter himself, we're going to see uh, a, list of five, a list of things that we need to consider and concentrate on so that we don't let that hyperactivity destroy or impair or even influence our spiritual lives. Let's read verses 6 through 11 of chapter 5. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Resist him, standing firm in the faith, because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kinds of sufferings. Now, that's a, that's a pretty short encapsulation of tell you what I told you. But it's got a lot of depth. 
And there's a lot to be said here that we need to be paying attention to. And right off the bat, Peter reminds all of us that we are to humble ourselves. We need to be people of humility. It starts with our attitude. And I should point out that this word, humble yourselves, is an imperative. An imperative is a you-must-do-this word. There's no options here. There's no ifs, ands, or buts. There's no, I'll get around to it when I get around to it. It's, we must humble ourselves. To have humility is to to consider yourself in a low condition. To consider others better than yourselves. It requires a self-evaluation as well. To be humble isn't just an external where I say, mm, uh, we, we've got a rule in our house where I ask my kids and we say, who's the most important person in the house? And the answer is everybody but me, right? That's, that's outside evaluation, that everyone else is more important. But this humility here also requires a, self, a self-evaluation, a self-inventory, um, kind of a who do you think you are? Uh, mindset, okay? So we need to start with an attitude of humility. Attitude is everything I've been hearing a lot lately. Attitude is everything. And so we self-evaluate. We are not, this, we are not saved by our actions. We are not saved by our good deeds. We are not saved by the ministries that we take part in. We are not saved by how nice we are to our neighbors. We're not saved by how friendly we are to our community. All of those things are very important. But they don't save us. They are outworking energy of the Holy Spirit as we submit to Him. We are saved by the blood of Christ. We are saved through faith in Jesus Christ, our Savior. And that's humbling. That there's nothing I can do to warrant salvation. That He did it all. And if I consider what my salvation is and what it was from, that should become even more humbling to us. I was saved from my sin. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. I don't stand head and shoulders above or below anyone else in all of humanity, in all of history, in all of time. There's nothing special about me. But in God's sight, I am special. That's humbling. Verse 7. Cast all your anxiety on him. Because he cares for you. That idea to cast or to throw your anxieties, it's an imperative. There's no option here. No ifs, ands, or buts. Do this. Cast all of your anxieties. You could probably give me a fair definition of anxiety. But I would guess that you would in your definition, it would be easier for you to describe something that makes you anxious and not necessarily what anxiety is itself. In the, in the original text 
This word conveys an idea of, of a divided mind. Cast all of your divided mindedness on him. Do you ever experience having a divided mind? What's the best course of action to help my children? How do I grow in my relationship with my spouse? When do I say enough is enough? How much is too much? Boy, as I'm, as I'm just even bringing these up, I, I'm getting that, that feeling in my chest. Cast that anxiety on him. Throw it away. I mean, it's that first pitch. Throw it. Let it go. It doesn't matter if it goes over the catcher's head. It doesn't matter if it doesn't go anywhere. Oh, but it does matter that it goes away from you. On him. Because he cares for you. Now, this anxiety word and this cares for you word, they're rooted in the same exact word. His mind is not divided about you. Take your divided mind and throw it on him, on the Lord. He is not divided about you. He knows who you are. He knows how special you are. He cares about you. In his mind, you are being made whole through the power of his Holy Spirit. I want you to close your eyes. I'm going to read from Romans chapter 8. Let the words of Scripture wash over you. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. No, Paul says, no, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. He's not double-minded about you. He cares for you. He loves you. He sees you as his beautiful, intricate masterpiece. And he's polishing you. Cast your anxieties on him. He cares for you. And yet, those actions, that anxiety, again, is rooted, rooted, rooted in our humility. Because if we take what I just read from Romans 8, verses 35 through 39, and we strut, I am more than a conqueror, and we forget what our strength is rooted in, we make it about us and not about him. We cannot lose sight of our humility. Verse 8. Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. I talked about the word nepsis in chapter 1. It's, here it is. It's back. Nepsis. And again... 
I need to tell you this time, it is an imperative. You get the idea, I don't have to repeat myself. It's not an option, no ifs, ands, or buts. You must do this. You must be alert. You must have sobriety of mind, clarity of mind. You must be vigilant. So in chapter 1, he was telling us, be vigilant. He was telling us what he was going to tell us. And then what Pastor Jim and Pastor Gary covered was, here's what you're supposed to be vigilant about. Here's what you're supposed to have clarity about. But he's telling us again, he's telling us again, have a sense of expectancy. I love, I love that, that Mark Broughton brings this, just about every junior high youth group as he's leading worship, he asks the students, where have you seen God move in your life? There's a sense of expectancy there. Because if you say, well, I actually, I haven't, is that suggesting that God has not moved in your life? Or does it say that you just haven't seen it? But having a sense of expectancy is to be watchful and alert, watching to see God move. And in the context here, be watchful and alert because the enemy is coming after you. Not might come after you, will come after you. Have a sense of vigilance. The enemy will move against us. To be honest, before I began studying for today's sermon, I have to tell you that I had a concept from this passage that, that the enemy was looking to take me down with a, with a malice that I guess I should say that any time I get taken down, it was the devil's fault or that he did it. I mean, here I am just being good, you know, and, and kazam, something struck. I Probably because I'm so good. You're not buying that one. Okay, so <laughs> probably because I'm so good, so righteous, so holy, that's why the enemy's coming after me. Hey, hey I've heard that before. Not about, not about me. I've heard that before. We're obviously being attacked because we're so spiritual. This is not so much an all-out offensive move. This is the enemy watching and waiting himself, watching us. Where are you weak? Because I'm going to exploit it. So to be alert, to be of sober mind and clarity of thought, to be vigilant, we can think of this with the obvious sobriety, drugs and alcohol, but I... I wonder if we might want to consider other ways that we can become intoxicated. Things that don't make us clear of thought, clear of mind. And I want you to consider these, and this is a a short list. And this short list is taken from 1 Peter. And I've just sort of brought them into a small pocket to discuss but we could become intoxicated by power, by authority, 
We could become intoxicated by sex. By love. Come on, love's not such a bad thing. It is if you're in love with being in love. Because that's about you. Greed. Sloth. (laughs) Yes, you really do have to clean your room. Laziness, busyness, anger, murder. I realize that uh, I stand condemned already, that Pastor Jim informed you last week I attempted to kill him with a softball. (laughs) Find it very interesting that he, he, he put me in the story but left out the person to whom I was throwing the ball who didn't catch it. I would, I would recommend, Pastor Jim, that you, uh, you need to exercise nepsis, alertness when you, are on, when you are on the field with me. <laughs> murder. The Lord said, we're guilty of murder in our hearts when we hold each other in contempt. And the enemy is looking for that spot. It's there that he'll attack. He'll divide. He'll rip us apart as families, as a congregation, with our coworkers. Our conversations. Gossip and slander. They're intoxicating. So you understand there's a difference between gossip and slander. Gossip is the casual or unconstrained conversation or reports about other people, typically involving details that are not confirmed as being true. Slander is the action or crime of making a false spoken statement damaging to a person's reputation. One is because you can't keep your mouth closed, and one is because you want to open your mouth. And the enemy is just looking for it. Envy. Gluttony. Idolatry. Egocentricity. And as I looked at First Peter and I brought all of these together, Obviously, because as we all look through Scripture and we interpret it, we look and we see things that, that as the Holy Spirit speaks to us, some of them really pinged on my radar more than others. But the more I read it, the more I looked at it, the more I went back, and I read First Peter probably, I don't know, six or seven times just to look at this passage. I realized that the ones that maybe pinged for me as an obvious sin and others didn't ping as obvious sin, never does Peter say that one is worse than the other. He identifies all of them as sin. They're all sin. And so I recognized another danger of recognizing sin in someone else's life, but not recognizing the sin in my own. So-and-so obviously struggles with that one, and... 
Well, that may be true. But Kevin struggles with this one. And Kevin should focus on that with the Lord. And that's the short list that I've shared. Peter says earlier in chapter 4, and I'm just going to read one verse there so you don't have to turn. Chapter 4, verse 7. He says, The end of all things is near, therefore be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Same word, nepsis. Be alert, be action-oriented, be expectant. Self-evaluate. Recognize your own sins because it can have an effect on your prayer life. This is important stuff. Because our enemy, the devil, prowls like a roaring lion, verse 8, looking for someone to devour. Our enemy, uh, our adversary, the one who is against us, the word is diabolos, from which we get the word diabolical. You know what diabolical is. (laughs) They'll never see it coming. But I thought things were going so well. Self-evaluation. That's why I chose in the bulletin the verse from 1 Corinthians. We use a communion. But I thought it very important for us to include from 1 Corinthians chapter 11. Let's read that together. Therefore, whoever eats the bread and drinks, of the cup, uh, drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty of sinning against the body and blood of the Lord. A man ought to examine himself before he eats of the bread and drinks of the cup. Examine yourself. The enemy prowls and we need a savior, not then, not later, Every day, every moment, every minute, he is looking to devour, consume, and the word can even mean drown, to suffocate us, to fill us up, not with the Spirit of God, but fill us up and choke our lungs and maybe even give us anxiety. Satan in short, just wants to rob you of full life. To be robbed of full life. Expectancy. Looking for opportunities. Uh, I have a, we're, on October 5th, we're going to share about our mission trip, but I, I have one I just have to share with you now because it, it just completely, for me, encapsulates this idea of expectancy, of nepsis, of looking for God moving in your life. It is the end of the trip. We are satisfied and exhausted. Uh, most of us are looking forward to sleeping in our own beds. As much as we didn't want to leave, we really were looking forward to the comfort of home. We're in the San Juan airport. Uh, it was fortunate the wing, the, the, um, not the wing, you know, the terminal that we're in, uh, was pretty quiet. There weren't a lot of flights going out. So, so the 22 of us just pretty much came in and 
poof, you know, everything is just laying around like that. And for the, everyone who's listening to the podcast, that sound effect was of, of all of us dropping all of our luggage and collapsing in seats wherever we could find them. Boom, and, and there we sat. And uh, one by one, um, people kind of, oh, there's a souvenir shop, we'll go look at that or go get, you know, get a little snack at one of these places. And, and from the other side of the terminal, and again, there's very few people there, I look and I see Nathan Ediger. And Nathan, I can't du- reduplicate this at all, but say I'm, I'm, I'm sitting where Shelly is, way over there on, on, on the front, on the right, and Nathan comes at me like this. <laughs> right? And I, I'm watching him, and it's, it's just one of those, like, you know, it's, it's, what is, what's up with And he's coming right at Nathan, and he, and he got right, right here. He stops, and he says, there's a man over there who read the verse on the back of my shirt. It's in Spanish. He wants to know what it means. I have to tell him what it means. Gets his Bible. Well, the guy had followed over at a little bit more leisurely pace. Guy came walking over. He stood there, and he said, you know, hi, I'm just kind of curious what this is and what, what it is. And and uh, me, boy, I couldn't move fast enough. I just, I couldn't. I wanted to get my camera out and take a picture. It was the most, it was, it was the, it could have been, it was like the most staged photo if you had imagined it. Here's Nathan standing here with his Bible, with his hand like this. And the guy is looking over at the text and he's holding it like this so he can see it. And what Nathan reads to him is, the verse was John 10.10 10, and Nathan explained to him the context Therefore, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, I am the gate for the sheep. All who ever came before me were thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. Whoever enters through me will be saved. He will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I have come that they may have life and live it to the full. And then he explained what it was about. The guy went, cool. Huh. And then he walked over by me and said, gave me something to think about. Thanks. He walked over like <laughs> I'm looking to get on that plane and fly home. Nathan's looking for opportunity. Praise God. We look for God, we look for opportunities. John just, Jesus told us in John, you find your rest with me. Cast your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Verse 9. Resist him standing firm in the faith because you know that your brothers throughout the world are undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Resist him. What do you think it is? An imperative. I told you before, Romans 12, 2, do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. This resistance that Peter talks about and that Paul talks about in Romans begins with our mind, with our attitude. It begins here. It starts with me and how I think. Stand firm, feet dug in, ready, expectant, 
nepsis, watchful. It's coming. It's coming. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power, Paul says in Ephesians 6. Put on the full armor of God so that you may take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Stand firm in the truth. The hyperactivity of this year is upon us. Grow in your spiritual life. May God's hand of peace rest upon you. May you be utterly conscious this week, today, in the moments that we leave this church, of his presence in your life and his love for you. An eternal, undying, uncompromising, passionate love. Father, we thank you for all you give us. We thank you for your word, which is like a magnifying glass on our souls. Help us, Lord, to surrender, to give up, to hand over, to throw in your direction everything that causes us pain and sorrow and causes us to run to ourselves instead of running to you. We thank you, Father, for this beautiful day. May each breath from our lungs be worship. We pray this in your Son's name. Amen.